Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm glad we're together again because it just seems like yesterday was Thursday. We had a couple hours of guy talk, and I'm excited today because I get to welcome back my friend, Dr. Don Byerly, who has a PhD in life sciences and a master's in New Testament studies. He kind of does two things really, really well. We're going to talk today about a number of things, including the reliability of Scripture, because I would say once a year we should uh, we should— be reminding ourselves of how God's Word is reliable, and it's a powerful tool when it comes to sharing your faith with others. And Don is the um, um, president of Faith Search International. You can learn about him and his books at faithsearch.org. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, one of his books, Surprised by Faith, is a book I've probably bought 10 times and given away at least nine. I know I've got one copy at home that's got my name on it. Don, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a delight. I always look forward to it. I always learn so much when you come on, and your presentation of the reliability of Scripture is the best, and I want my listeners to hear a little bit more about it again, and I think it's it's always the right time to talk about it. Yeah, and I think uh, there's some new things that are being exposed, and I think we'll have a fun time getting into not only the old stuff, but some of the new stuff, too. Oh, that's awesome. Now... When we uh, look at Scripture and we look at the the text, of course, it has to have some kind of textual criticism, and the Holy Bible stands up pretty well when it comes to textual criticism, doesn't it? Yes, most people perhaps don't realize that the Bible we hold in our hands, we do not have the original autographs, which is a word for originals. And so uh, how did we get this Bible? Well, uh, scribes made copies called manuscripts, handwritten, uh, from the very beginning all the way until the printing press in the 15th century. And when you find those manuscripts, they have to reconstruct the original, what they, what they believe the original text must have been based on these manuscripts, knowing that over a period of, you know, 1400 years, there likely are some changes that would take place in some of the manuscripts, uh, errors that the scribes made. So criticism is really the science of looking at the many manuscripts that might be there and uh, trying to ascertain uh, what did the original text exactly look like. Mm-hmm. Don, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some uh, of the letters of antiquity. I mean, some of the works of Homer or some of the other uh, authors from the past and and the number of copies that are available and the reliability of some of, of those documents. Uh, yes, if you're looking at uh, secular literature from ancient times, uh, you're really looking at a scarcity of the number of manuscripts. Homer's Iliad would be the best of ancient literature, and that has somewhere around 1,700 copies. Now, we have to be careful when we say manuscript copies because if people assume that the whole work of the Iliad would be in that manuscript, the way archaeologists work 
is that if they find any manuscript, it doesn't matter if it's a word, a, a paragraph, a page, or the whole thing, they call it one. Okay. And so when we have 1,700-plus manuscripts of the Iliad, that's most of them will be fragments. Very seldom do you find the entire work. That's also true of the, of the New Testament. But, uh, but, yeah, so when you look at ancient writings— whether it be the Iliad or whether you're looking at a Caesar's Gallic Wars, he's only got, you know, like 250 or so uh, manuscripts that have ever been found. And uh, you can go ahead and go Plato, Aristotle, and on down the line, and you're going to find either single digits, double digits, and a few of them will have triple-digit manuscripts, but that's be unusual to have triple digits. So, uh, that's the first thing you, you work at, because the more manuscripts you have, the more scholars are capable of determining with accuracy what the original text must have been. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Don Byerly is my guest. We're talking today about the reliability of Scripture. We're going to talk about other things as well, but I want to get him on this topic because he does such a fantastic job of educating us on this. So, Don, if we took something uh, like the... Iliad, and if there were, let's say, there were 1,700 copies of that fragment form or one page or a full copy, and we started to analyze one copy against the other, and we're looking for, I think it's called a corruption rate, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, they, they really look at how many manuscripts, how early are the manuscripts, that is, how close is the manuscript to the original composition. And then the third thing is the accuracy, and that's what you're doing there. When you say, let's compare as many manuscripts as we have with each other, and then you, they have what they call a distortion rate. And most distortion rates will be anywhere from 5 to 10%, even in good literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, in comparison, of course, we'll get to the New Testament here, but you'll see how remarkably different is the New Testament compared to all other ancient uh, uh, literature. Yeah, I want to save some of these amazing numbers that the the New Testament has, because I want to keep talking about a little bit uh, before we get to it. And You take something like Homer's Iliad, and there's not going to be a lot of agreement among the copies. So if I'm going to be a university professor and I want to teach Homer's Iliad, I've got options from which to pick from, don't I? Well, you do, except that at most universities, colleges, and so forth, they don't really worry about uh, which manuscript am I going to use. Scholars have already gone through all the manuscripts, and they came up with a copy, a a version, which they believe best represents Homer's Iliad. And that's, of course, what gets printed, and that's what university students read. But rarely does the professor tell them, do you realize that what you're reading it does not represent any manuscript <laughs> that exists. Uh, it's a compilation of manuscripts, not any exact one. So, Don, I mean, whenever you look at some of the, the historical documents of uh, the the Roman uh, Empire or anything like that, are you ever told in a college class what you're reading may not be true? Well, only if it were a, a critical class, maybe they would mention that. 
but in a typical university classroom and in the departments of literature and so forth, they just rely on the fact that the scholars have done a good enough job that the copy they sold the students and the copy the students are reading is what what Homer wrote. Uh, but they don't even raise the question uh, and, and point out, do you realize that one out of every 20 lines is in question? <laughs> that's, that would be the, that's the percentage. One in every 20 lines, we don't know if that's what Homer wrote. We had to surmise from manuscripts that this would be the best we could do. Uh, and, and so, but students don't know that. They, they're just reading it, and this is what Homer wrote, and they never told otherwise. Mm-hmm. Dr. Don Barley is my guest, and we are talking today about the reliability of Scripture. I think this is some of the most exciting uh, discoveries. If you're hearing it for the first time, you're really going to go, wow, I had no idea, because we have a, a lot of support for um, the New Testament in particular, uh, as it being, without a doubt, the most accurate uh, piece of literature in all of antiquity. If we just look at it from that standpoint, we have secular mm-hmm. people analyzing the text, and they scratch their head and go, wow, we've never seen anything like this. Right, and Bill, not only you're looking at accuracy only, when you start looking at the how early are the manuscripts, for example, Aristotle wrote uh, Poetics in the 4th century be- before Christ. Mm-hmm. We don't have a manuscript until 1000 A.D., Wow. Uh, in other words, it was copied for 1,400 years, and we have no idea what they did during those 1,400 years to it. We have to assume the one in 1,000 A.D. is correct. Um, likewise, with most of these other, the average for, uh, for secular literature uh, of the distance between the original composition by the author and the first manuscript is somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 to 1,000 years. So, that means there's a huge vacuum there. We don't know if they got changed during that time. Uh, Don, that's qu- quite unbelievable when you think that we're going back to Aristotle's documents, the time that they were written, and the earliest copy of any manuscript we have is four, 1,400 years. You go, oh, come on. <laughs> how, how can this be even remotely reliable? You're right, but that's what happens when you get digging around in in, in textual criticism, yeah. and you find out a lot of things that have gone, you know, behind the scenes that the student never really gets exposed to. Right. All right. So we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna start rattling off some of the amazing numbers about the New Testament. Uh, you're gonna, it's gonna blow your mind. Dr. Don Byerly is my guest. You can learn. More about uh, Dr. Byerly at faithsearch.org, and I recommend you do. We'll be right back. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. The God that authored the Holy Bible certainly has the ability to preserve it, and boy, has he ever. Dr. Don Byerly is my guest. We're talking today about the reliability of Scripture, and Don, as we have chatted so far about some of the pieces of literature from antiquity, like Homer's Iliad or some of the other uh, pieces written by Aristotle and others, the uh, 
manuscripts that are available have got a fairly significant um, date range, and there's also a limited number of copies of the documents. So yeah. let, let's move on to the New Testament, and let's talk about the number of documents and the corruption rate among those. Well, as we know, I'm, I'm, let me just uh, stay with the New Testament. It's a little easier than spreading it out over 1,500 years. Uh, if we just talk about the Gospels and the New Testament books, the 27 there, uh, there are over 6,000 manuscripts of the New Testament that have been found, and that's just in the Greek original language. If you add to it Syriac and a variety of other languages, now, by the way, all of these are manuscripts, which means they were all handwritten prior to the printing press in the 15th century. All the other languages, there are over 19,000 manuscripts, making a total of somewhere around 25,000 different manuscripts of the New Testament. That's to be compared with the best of ancient literature is 1700, everything else is down in the hundreds or in the teens or something of that sort. So on the level of how many manuscripts, the, this is a, a textual critic's delight. Oh, yeah. In other words, the more manuscripts you have, the easier your job is to restore the original text with great accuracy. And, and they acknowledge this, that the New Testament is far above every other document ever written. That's not even looking at uh, the accuracy or the earliness, which is even uh, more exciting. Mm-hmm. Don, if you would talk about the way that the document was transcribed. I mean, that was a, that was a serious discipline back then. Yes, it was. It was a profession. Um, and especially, they have found a significant difference in the accuracy of, of religious texts compared to secular texts. And they, the reason usually given is that when a scribe realized that they were copying what is purported to be the Word of God, they did not want to make a mistake lest they put words in God's mouth that he didn't say, or they take words away from God and they might experience some kind of repercussion from that. And so they were especially careful with these documents of the New Testament that they would do them accurate. I mean, we don't have time in this program, but the religious scribes, we know that a bit from the Dead Sea Scrolls of the Old Testament, too. They actually had rules that if they laid out a page that they were going to copy— they had to make sure that the first letter, the middle letter, and the last letter of every line came out. If it didn't, they knew they had made a mistake. So they set up the page ahead of time. That's just an example of the care they took to prevent them from making a mistake in copying. Mm -hmm. Now, Don, I know eventually I'm going to want to ask you about the Dead Sea Scrolls because that was the Super Bowl of all finds, wasn't it? Yes, we can... Yeah, I, I have that down in my notes here as something we can talk about when we talk about the longevity of the manuscripts. Do they last very long? What can we expect? Uh, that's a very important aspect of this discussion as well. Yeah, well, I don't want to take you uh, on a course that you're not uh, ready to go to yet, so maybe we can continue talking about uh, the the analysis between these 25,000 copies that exist. I mean, 
you would expect uh, the corruption rate to be pretty low. Uh, well, you you the, you'd have to ask the question. With more manuscripts, do you get a a, a bigger discretion uh, di- distortion, or do you get a less? Well, it turns out in the case of the New Testament. Uh, they have F.F. F. Bruce uh, and a couple of other scholars have analyzed them, and they've come to the conclusion that there is only about one fifth of one percent distortion uh, in the New Testament that we read. One that means two tenths of one percent. Furthermore, they have concluded that no doctrine of the Christian faith is dependent on any questionable text. In other words. We can take our Bible we hold in our hand today and, and understand that 99, 99.8% of the New Testament is not in question. There's only two-tenths of 1% that is actually in question yet today. I, I think those are uh, unbelievable uh, numbers, and nothing else comes close to that mm-hmm. in terms of ancient literature. And Don, is it true that some of the discrepancies might be something like a punctuation or capitalization or something like that? Yeah, that probably is not included. Uh, we know that throughout the manuscripts, there would be uh, grammatical issues. And and that would actually widen the number of, of uh, what some people would call errors that are in the text. Those have all been resolved. When you have that many manuscripts, you can detect that there's always going to be a scribe somewhere who's got it right. Yeah. And, and therefore, you eliminate those that may have made an error. So when you, when you look at the New Testament, Bill, the number of manuscripts is out of this world. Secondly, and equally important, you can go all the way back to the second century and uh, there's a papyrus 45 consisting of all, some, at least of all four Gospels. And, it, and the Gospels are written in the first century. And the manuscripts go all the way back to within 100 years, not 800 to 1,000, as in secular literature. And so within 100 years, and some even maintain, scholars, that P45, P stands for papyrus uh, 45, may even go back to the late first century, a collection of, of the Gospels. And another one, P46, is a collection of the Apostle Paul's writings, minus the pastorals, I think, and so forth. So when it comes to how early are they, there is no gap between the originals and the manuscript copies that we're finding. They overlap. Wow, that's spectacular. So we've got uh, a shorter time difference, which is going yeah. to obviously increase in the minds of everybody that the time that the document was written and the earliest copies we have available are in a very short period of time. Yes, and that applies primarily to, let's say, the Gospels will have its own record of archaeology. Uh, Paul's writings might have its own record. If you want to, if somebody says, but that isn't the whole New Testament, we have three manuscripts that are the whole New Testament, uh, Sinaiticus, Codex Sinaiticus, Codex Vaticanus, and another one, and they can they are from the 4th century, the 300s. One is 350, the other one is 325, consists of all of the New Testament. Even that is, is 
tremendously better than anything else we find in secular literature. In other words, I once was a skeptic, Bill, and I, and I, I questioned whether I could trust the Bible. I had no idea that the Bible was head and shoulders above everything else, and yet I was accepting everything else in my education, but rejecting the one that had the greatest credibility. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is why it's so important for us as believers to understand and get the foundation of the reliability of of Scripture, because this happens all the time in conversations with people. Rosie was just saying to me earlier that, you know, people argue and say, well, that's just a really old book that you can't trust. And, uh, you know, the, the, the literary critics will say this document has no peer. There is nothing like it in terms of, of um, reliability. Now, that doesn't, in their opinion, doesn't make it true, just makes it reliable. That's right. There are two questions. Is the text that we're reading, is it uh, uh, authentic? Is it does it have integrity? And of course, what we're talking about with the manuscripts and so forth have long ago demonstrated the integrity of the New Testament text. It's not in question. In other words, we're not reading legends. We're not reading fairy tales. No literature uh, person in the world would ever look at the data we've been considering and say, oh, but a lot of legends have crept in. That's not the case, because not only do the manuscripts go back almost into the first century, the eyewitness generation, but they are found in every century all the way to the printing press. So if you want to take your Bible and go to the second century, go compare it. You want to go to the fifth century, compare it. Go to the 10th century and compare it. You're going to find them all the way through from the second century all the way to the to the printing press. So there's no there's no room for any change. Yeah. And when the documents were finished, when there were still eyewitness uh when there were still people who were eyewitnesses to it, that would give it in in my estimation the kind of significance and uh, importance that yes is, is critical. I mean, if if I wrote a book uh in the next 30 years about the history of New York and I left out the Twin Towers coming down at 9-11, and I just it, it kept that out of the book. People would go, well, that's a stupid book. How, how, <laughs> how did you write a book and leave that out? You're, 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 you're talking like a, like a scholar. Oh, well, I, um, I don't, I, I'm not trying to be, but... but no, but, but that's exactly how a scholar would reason with the New Testament. If, if these writings go back into the time of Peter, the time of Paul, the time of John, and so forth, and they are already in written form by that time, mm-hmm. and they're still alive. Well, so are the people who hate these folks, right. and would very love to put them down and show them that they are irrelevant, but they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, let's take a little break. Dr. Don Byerly is my guest. We're talking about the reliability of Scripture. If you have a question for Dr. Byerly, let me know what it is. The text line is open, 877 933 2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll take a short break and we'll continue our very important discussion on the reliability of God's Word with Dr. Don Barley. We'll be right back. I tried again to split my heart in two and keep a little peace this time for you. I 
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. I am glad to be talking to Dr. Don Byerly today. He is the founder of faithsearch.org. You can learn more about his books and his teaching there. He's a fascinating uh, background of have a PhD in life sciences. So he's a, a biology expert. He's got a master's in New Testament studies. He knows how to put this together, and he's done some really uh, great study on the reliability of Scripture. And I... I yeah. uh, became aware of it years and years ago, and it became a pretty important part of my understanding of how reliable God's Word is and how many copies are available and how important it is to know that God's Word, uh, He had the ability to author it and the ability to preserve it. And that's mm-hmm. the confidence we can uh, share our faith with. And and not only share our faith, but trust in Him. So yes. don't, say how important mm-hmm. that is. That is really important. Uh, you know, Bill, If uh, when I start throwing out numbers about years and I throw out manuscript numbers and so forth, a lot of times people say, oh, that's going right over my head. Um, let me make it easy for people. The second chapter of my book, Surprised by Faith, has all of this information in it in a readable form with charts and everything else. So that, that would be a source people could have. And now, I'm also converted. I have converted this course, the one you're talking about, Bill. The, over the years, it's been our flagship. I've put it on uh, online and a in a website. We'll get to that later. But it's now free. Uh, they can hear my instruction through the entire seminar and 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 see the charts in the book and so forth. And so there's no uh, limitations anymore. It's free, absolutely oh, that's- free. Wonderful news. I love that. I'm going to go check that out myself. So I'm looking forward to getting the information myself, Don. So thank you for that. Yeah. So uh, do we talk a little bit now about the Dead Sea Scrolls? Are Uh, we there yet? Yeah, we could talk about that. And especially we could bring in the idea that uh, how old are the manuscripts and how does that impact our understanding even of the New Testament manuscripts? So, yeah, we, well, if you have any questions or if you want to direct me there, go for it. Yeah, well, it seems like we had um, the the book of Isaiah, for example, that was one of the true finds in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And yes. now all of a sudden we've got a copy of Isaiah that's a thousand years earlier than our previous oldest copy. That's right. So the the Masoretic text was our foundation for the Old Testament, dating to somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 A.D. Uh, after Christ, and all of a sudden, with the find of the Dead Sea Scrolls, we went to 200 B.C. before Christ to up to the time of Christ in that neighborhood. That was 200 years, which you're right, moved the evidence of manuscripts for the Old Testament about a thousand years closer to their original composition. Mm -hmm. Now, Don, just because we throw out the words Dead Sea Scrolls, there are listeners that don't know what we're talking about. So would you give us an understanding when we say Dead Sea Scrolls, what that means? Obviously, it's in reference to the Dead Sea, which is, of course, just to the east of Judea, 
there in the Middle East, uh, part of the Jordan River Valley uh, uh, Basin, and has no outlet. But there was a community of Jews that settled in on the northwest shoreline of the Dead Sea and set up what we might call a monastery, uh, perhaps. And uh, they copied scripture. Uh, they had a lot of disciplines. Uh, they were, you know, quite a orthodox type of Jewish community. And uh, when the Romans came to destroy the temple in 70 A.D., uh, they had, they, and it took over the entire country, the uh, Qumran community, uh, which is what they're called, uh, had to hide all their manuscripts, all the things they had been copying. And it's all Old Testament, plus some of their own internal discipline manuals. Um, and they found that if they rolled them up and put them in a mace and jars, uh, uh, earthenware jars, uh, they, then they hid them. They crossed from the Dead Sea in the mountains area there. There's a lot of caves. And so they went and put all these earthen jars filled with their manuscripts in those caves. And to, would you believe they were never found oh. until... 1948, when Israel became a nation, at that point, those scrolls were found again. I mean, we're talking about 2,000 years. Whoa. Almost. Yeah. And, and those those scrolls, while stiff and had to be treated in a special way to try to get them unrolled and so forth, uh, nevertheless, it restored that's that's those were all old everything in the old testament has been found in the dead sea scrolls except i guess some parts of esther or something of that sort mm -hmm. I, I don't remember exactly but almost the entire thing and you refer to the uh scroll of of isaiah uh and if you go to israel they have a museum there that has these um, facsimile of that scroll in a, in a round museum, and you can go page by page by page and see that. And the amazing thing was when they compared that scroll from 200 B before Christ with the Masoretic text from 800 A.D., a thousand years later, they were virtually the same. Hmm. That's how, how uniquely uh, uh, professional the scribes were. Uh, in that time. And Don, talk about how those Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. <laughs> well, that was kind of an interesting story in itself. Uh, some, uh, The story is at least that a shepherd boy uh, threw some rocks into a cave down in that area and heard something crash, uh, something like breaking glass, and, and went in and, and found some scrolls and then went to Jerusalem and thought, well, maybe I can get some money for these. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and, he, and, he, and interestingly, he sold them to someone who had knowledge of this language and of the situation, and he immediately realized what he had in his hand, and he went to look for the little boy and said, where did you find these? And that began the hunt through the, all the caves along the Dead Sea, for more scrolls 
in jars and over and over and over again uh, they kept finding more and more and more and pretty soon the entire old testament had moved from 800 a.d to a 200 bc uh, a thousand years closer to the old testament authors so what were the archaeologists doing besides having a, a near a fit over this discovery well, they they had a lot of work to do because they were they they couldn't be unrolled. They were too old, okay. and they cracked up in the in the pieces. And then there were many of them where the jars had been broken and the rolls were broken up. And so they will have huge drawing boards in their laboratories and where they try to like puzzle making, you know, yep. trying to piece these pieces back together. And and then of course there's a lot of chemical treatment that has to be done. But now the scholars, uh, the people have graduated now to the use of a new technology where they're using lasers and they don't even have to unroll the scroll to read it. Uh, They can actually get laser readouts of what they see on the face of those rolled up uh, uh, papyri that uh, were there. And that has revolutionized recent finds that archaeologists have made where they don't have to damage the scroll in order to see what's on them. Wow, that, that's, it's hard to believe it's, that you can yeah. don't even have to that's unroll it. a scroll to see what's on it. And think about it. The, the Dead Sea Scrolls were actually two to 300 years old before they were put into the jar. Oh, wow. And, and that, that tells us a lot about scrolls and about manuscripts. So then there was another 1950 years after that, that they were in there and they were still redeemable. Uh, that people take from that and say, wait a minute, if the original new Testament writings were also written on papyri. And of course, some of them are written on animal skins. They're called parchments. Um, then if they were down in the first century, wouldn't they still be, in existence in the second century? And everybody's answering, yes. In fact, when the earliest manuscripts were finding that are obviously copies of the New Testament in the second century, it's quite likely that the original autographs overlapped with them. So in other words, the autographs were still available when these copies were made. Mm -hmm. And so there's virtually no gap in between the two. In other words, they're saying most manuscripts in ancient times lasted from 150 to 500 years. You know, they were pretty precious. And and so the, the manuscripts we're finding, which are copies, were probably made uh, when the autographs were still available to check. Mm-hmm. And Don, I would assume this is correct, but if there are if there are any variations in any of the the manuscripts, because I know that the New Testament has a, about a ninety nine point five percent accuracy rate, that if there there's, was there's always variation. Yeah, but but uh, but not like in the secular uh, manuscripts. They're they're much more consistent than those are. But you're going to find them. But that's the whole point. If you have one manuscript. You can't figure out whether there's uh, errors in it or not. If you have two, you can do better. But if you have 25,000, now you have 
you, you can have great confidence that you have found exactly what the text should be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what uh, scholars in the New Testament are concluding today. I mean, there's always, there's always critical scholars that are anti-Christianity, they're anti-Bible, and there's always going to be things that come out and say, oh, wait a minute, what about this, what about this? But the consensus of scholarship is that the New Testament is, is the number one uh, ancient document that we can trust and know that when we hold it in our hands, we're reading what the eyewitnesses wrote in the first century. Mm-hmm. And when we have examined these manuscripts and had these discoveries like the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have never had this come out where the, the um, variations has produced uh, a different theological issue in any way. No, there, there is no Christian doctrine in question. Okay. You know, uh, you'll find, for example, people who want to, want to look at uh, where is the two-tenths of one percent that's of concern to people, uh, of, to scholars. Well, go to the end of Mark's Gospel. And in the last chapter, if you go to verse 8, you'll probably, in the study Bible at least, you'll have an asterisk there. They'll say, verses 9 through the end of the chapter are not found in the earliest manuscripts. We don't know if it's supposed to be there. So Christians are honest. They can put it in there, nine and following verses in the last chapter of Mark Gospel, make a note and say, well, you probably would not want to build a unique doctrine on these verses since they are questionable. But that's the point. No doctrine is based on a disputable manuscript uh, or text. Every doctrine of the Christian faith is based on validated texts, and there's no question about it. And and even the the woman who was caught in adultery in John's Gospel, uh, that's not found in some of the earliest copies of John's Gospel that's in, in manuscript form. And so we put it in. And make a note, and I, I don't want to be controversial here, Bill, but if, if I were dealing with the Quran, I couldn't talk this way about it, because it would be sacrilegious, and I would be, uh, you know, uh, considered to be a heretic, and I should be done away with. Uh, Christians are tolerant of realization that scholarship does uncover some things once in a while that are uncomfortable, but generally speaking, it's resolved later and becomes, a, you know, a, a strength of, of the document. Mm-hmm. Dr. Don Byerly is my guest. We're talking today about the reliability of Scripture. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. My guest today is Dr. Don Byerly. We're talking about the reliability of Scripture. Don, Don, it might be kind of fun just to pick another world religion and their holy book, and maybe you could make a point as to how reliable their holy book is. 
Bill, what you run into as soon as you hit Hinduism or even uh, uh, Islam is that historicity is not considered as important as it is in Christianity. Oh. In other words, if Jesus didn't show up on planet Earth, Christianity is over. Right. In fact, Jesus did not die on the cross and resurrect from the dead. Christianity is over. In other words, the history is absolutely central and critical to the legitimacy of Christianity. You go to Hinduism and ask them about the integrity of the text, or you ask them about the historicity, and to them, that makes no difference. Wow. Experience is the test of whether it works or not. And so they that's why when they get into the gurus and they start giving guidelines and instructions, it always has to do with something that you have to do in practice, like some sort of meditation or some other kind of activity. And if you have an experience at that point, then it's true. Wow. And, and so... Christianity is rather unique among the religions of the world where history is, to demonstrate its historicity, is the lifeblood of the faith. Now, I'm not suggesting that the Holy Spirit's not important or that salvation is not important and and, uh, being born again not important. That's not not our topic today. (laughs) But we are demonstrating that if you went to the other religions, uh, they wouldn't feel... Uh, like when I was in India uh, many times, uh, a Muslim there would not feel threatened at all if I suggested that their uh, holy books uh, had uh, factual errors or had historical uh, uh, make-believe because they have tested it by experience, and that's all that matters to them. And so it's hard to compare Christianity with the other religion. Now, Islam claims that their book is, in fact, perfect. Uh, it was uh, brought about by, by an angel who held uh, uh, the hand of the author and, and formed every letter, and so it's absolutely perfect. Well, the facts are that when you look at uh, the Quran, there have been numerous manuscripts that now have been found. Islam does not like to acknowledge them, But when scholars look at it, they have the same variations that Christian manuscripts or the Bible manuscripts have. And but they don't do scholarship with it, because, again, as I told you, in Islam, that would be sacrilegious. And and Russia, you know, that uh, couple of scholars who have pointed some things out about the manuscripts, they have to hide for the rest of their lives because they have uh, death warrant on their lives. And so. Uh, you don't do scholarship in Islam, because if you do, uh, you're questioning Allah and, uh, and, and the holiness of the text. Whereas in Christianity, we are free to examine it and, and knowing that if the truth is there, it will eventually be justified. Yeah, so what is the source of truth, and is the source of truth reliable throughout history? I mean, if you yes. take a book like the Mahabharata from India, and if right. you look at the number of documents that they have available, and if you do a, a corruption analysis, it, it's so high. But they don't seem to care. Yeah, that's right, because uh, the, much of uh, much of uh, uh, faith for them has to do with 
uh, what happens to them in practice. Does it help me in practice? Does it seem true? Do I have an experience? And so everything becomes subjective. All right, Dr. Don Barley. So we have uh, really made some uh, great reminders of the reliability of Scripture. The uh, the the New Testament is a standalone document. There, there among literary critics, it has no peer. There is, and these are secular critics analyzing it. There's not, it's not Christians. It's just secular people looking at this document saying there is nothing like it. Right. Bill, if you if somebody wants to dig deeper and they want to see what the scholars say, there's a book called The Origin of the Bible by F.F. F. Bruce, Philip Comfort, J.I. Packer, Carl F.H. Henry, uh, all notable scholars, but it's highly readable, and it covers every dimension of Old and New Testament manuscripts. It covers the historicity. Uh, it's a superb book. Uh, the origin of the Bible, uh, Bruce, um, Comfort, and, and others. Uh, so I would, uh, for someone who says, I want to know more, I want to dig deeper, that's where you want to go. That's a good one. And if you just want to see what we've been talking about, go to the second chapter of my book, Surprised by Faith. And we didn't even touch on historical reliability today, Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, the archaeological evidence that proves that it's not only in, has integrity, but it's also history. All right. Well, we have four minutes. We probably can't go into it today, can we? Well, what we find out is that the the people, the places, and the events have all been documented in discoveries of archaeology. Uh, for Pontius Pilate, for example, a, a building stone has been found with his name on it. Uh, Caiaphas, the high priest at the time of Jesus, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, has been documented. Uh, the synagogue, Peter's home, the pool of Siloam, uh, Jesus' crucifixion with nails, uh, his birth date, and so forth, have all been now uh, lights been shed on those by discoveries of archaeology. And archaeology has become a tremendous friend of Christianity, uh, not all, all archaeologists, but the findings of archaeology have have documented the truthfulness of the history. So not only were they eyewitnesses as they wrote, but it's clear that they were writing not stories, not legends, but they were writing factual history. Mm-hmm. Don, a listener was curious, uh, do the Dead Sea Scrolls lend evidence of the book of Daniel in some way? Uh, I, you know, I'm not very uh, much of a scholar uh, in that regard, okay. but I, would, I have read about that. And I, I understand that it has. Okay. It, it has definitely brought uh, new credibility to the book of Daniel. Yeah. What was one of your favorite discoveries as uh, a research into the reliability of Scripture? What was one of your more exciting aha moments? Uh, I think the the archaeological elements that, that uh, demonstrate the historicity of the New Testament was I'm a biologist. I go with inductive thinking. And when I started seeing the archaeological discoveries that made Jesus and the characters we read about in the New Testament absolutely real and absolutely true, that changed my whole perspective. Mm, Fascinating. Don, what else should we know about what's going on in your world right now? 
I have uh, decided uh, the Lord convicted me. I'm not uh, a, a spiritist of any kind, but I've been at this for four and a half decades. And I uh, believe that the Lord wants me to accumulate all the stuff that I have been publishing and speaking on and so forth into a learning center. And we have now opened the Faith Search Learning Center. You find it at faithsearchlearning.org. And uh, already Discovery, the one we've been discussing here, is on there free of charge. So is a discipleship manual. And over the next three years, I'll be bringing up, so we'll probably have 45 courses and all my, you know, I'm doing sermons and messages, make them into little courses so that uh, Jesus told Peter before he left, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, you know that I love you. And he said, well, then feed my sheep. And that's a deep conviction for me, that if, I, if I'm going to die, I'd like to leave a legacy of the Word of God and that's the Learning Center, faithsearchlearning.org. That's my project for the next three years. I love it. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. And it's just a delight to go through this material again. And I've, uh, again, reminds me how important it is for us to know how God not only authored the Bible, but he preserved it. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Dr. Don Byerly, again, has been my guest you can uh, go to faithsearch.org or faithsearchlearning.org. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to have this segment, one of my favorites, called Fridays with Friends. And it's always nice for you to meet a friend of mine. And my friend Gordy Hampson is going to be my guest uh, coming up in the next uh, segment. And if you are thinking about uh, the Day of Forgiveness and you're just hearing about it, We want you to listen to Faith Radio on Wednesday, June 28th for the Day of Forgiveness. It's going to be very, very exciting. So we'll uh, take a short break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.